Hi Udita, thank you so much for thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I know we had to reschedule multiple times and then we selected on a time but couldn't really do it because I anyways. Uh, but thank you so much for uh, making it. Uh, thank you. Sure, I think <laughs> I mean I'm I'm very nervous now. Okay. Uh yes, finally we are doing it. Um we can crack a really lame joke that it took us a year to do this interview. But okay oh yeah yeah oh yeah really oh yeah i i okay that's that's yeah. a good one i think so all right anyways so um i think uh, uh, so i think you published a novel while you were 17 um can you tell us like how you ended up deciding to you know generally we, even though people read a lot of books um it's a, it's a completely different uh, ball game to you know uh, approach to writing one um i'm guessing you did write one right i don't i don't know did i get that right Yes um I actually started writing content per se since I was 14 um I was part of this writer I was obsessed with reading books um and uh, then I joined this small community on Facebook where there were a lot of published authors and uh, when you're going around in their circles and talking to them time and again um a part of you is like okay if i can read their books i can review them maybe i should also give it a shot and try to probably write one and uh, in the whole process i don't even realize like i think uh, it felt very awkward when i had printed published copy of my novel in my hands and it felt s- surreal <laughs> cannot put it into words mhm um so um did you ever this i mean uh, looking i mean in retrospect obviously uh, we know you ended up starting the company but uh, since you wrote the novel pretty uh, at a pretty young age um, did you not consider being a full time writer or a novelist or a fiction writer etc i do honestly my retirement plan is me sitting in paris and uh, writing fictional romance <laughs> uh okay. but no um i loved writing as a profession to me it, it has always been a source of making money and i never looked at it as something that i'll be doing personally and even today we don't say this enough even as a founder i cannot put emphasis on this enough we are nothing but content writers drafting emails all day long for our investors for future investors for our employees for any integration we are just writing emails all day every day so i feel like the content writer in me is now so washed that it can only comprehend writing professional pieces so i never expected myself to be the kind of content writer i was in at the age of 17 um never looked at it as a full time profession or ever to become a writer in general it just happened to me and i still till they don't understand how it happened what got into me who like why i was so enthusiastic about getting published right uh, before i proceed uh, i just wanted to wish you uh, a belated happy birthday i think your birthday was on jan 2nd uh, so just uh, i forgot to i had made a note but i forgot to uh, bring it up <laughs> it was on jan 2nd day yes yes okay all right um so moving on um Uh, actually the question that you refused to answer in the previous answer i think was uh, uh, not refused i mean uh, in the sense that so what got you into content writing so young i think you said you got into content writing either at the age of 15 16 i don't know uh, yeah so how did that i mean how i mean how did you end up because generally people do 
I mean, generally people are either, you know, studying, uh, I mean, social media was not huge back, uh, I don't know, when you were, I think, using Facebook or, uh, you know, uh, so how did you get into it? Uh, how did you, you know, why did you end up sticking to it as well? First of all, ouch, social media was not a big thing at my age. How old do you think I am? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I'm just saying relatively speaking, right? Like right now, I'm so sorry, dude. Like, nothing like that. No, I, I'm just saying relatively speaking. Was, so, Instagram was very alive. There was influencer marketing. Um, so coming back to your question, um, how I ended up doing it. So I'll give it to my father. We never had this concept of pocket money in our house. Um, so basically, my father assigned that if you will help mom with this, 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 this is the money you will get. If it was not even for marks, my father was at was and still is very focused on us as kids having lot of values which help you in existing in long run so that's why my father assigned this money to each job that you have to do in the house and you know when you grow up you suddenly realize that that money is not enough because my father never changed the rates so even today if I would just go ahead and put all the clothes outside I would still get five rupees so for a seven eight year old kid five rupees was a lot but as a kid who was in class nine ten I was like, this is not enough. I'm not going to get anything out of this money. And uh, that's uh, when I was, I was just scrolling through the internet and that scoop was a big thing back then, you know, holistical articles. And they had this one small line written at the end of each article. Do you love writing articles? Uh, Reach out to us. And I reached out with them with a couple of samples. I never mentioned them my age and they really liked it. And, uh, then I reached out to a bunch of more companies on similar lines. And uh, they all were actually enjoying the kind of uh, articles I was writing and giving to them because they were listicles for sure. But they were different kind of listicles, more relatable. And uh, it ended up becoming my job. I gave them my father's bank account detail. They never asked me why I'm not giving mine. And they were absolutely fine. And uh, yeah, I mean... That's it. That's how I ended up getting into it. But gradually, the kind of content I started writing changed. Um, eventually, it became more about writing product descriptions on e-commerce websites. And for that matter, writing detailed reviews for other people to understand about different products. Uh, that is the kind of domain I moved to. Then it became more about writing product journeys. And then I got more involved into digital marketing and product growth based role. So I had a proper transition from content writer as a fictional writer to a professional writer to digital marketing to product writing and growth. So I had, I went through the whole cycle that typically people go through before reaching somewhere in their life. And typically it happens over the years of 15 to 20 years. Uh, thankfully that I have always been obsessed with startup industries. I ended up skipping a lot of steps in the middle and I ended up doing it quicker and earlier than other people. Right. Um, so you worked as a, uh, you worked as growth lead and growth manager uh, in your previous, uh, in your previous stints, uh, you know, working for multiple startups. Uh, can you tell us like uh, what exactly that role entails, the lead and growth uh, manager per se? Yeah, so I started my full-time career with Open Talk, which was Sumit Jain, the founder of Common Floor and now Graphy app. It was his uh, stint between the two companies, Common Floor and Graphy, and I was the only employee for a year straight. 
and uh, I got a chance to work with everyone. So there were two founders, amazing founders, really supportive, and they would help, let me help with everything. So imagine being a, I think I was twenty year old kid and having access to how to build the product, write social copies for it, write social media posts, write blog posts, everything. And I definitely gained a lot of experience over there. Then I spent six to nine months in an ed tech company called Tapchief. It later got acquired by an academy. Um, again, did similar role. And then I moved to Munch, which was a content startup. I was there for another year. So I ha- uh, it was great. I was leading a team of 20, 25 people. And it was a great experience. Typically, my role involved into growing brand organically. And that is what I have done for myself in the past as well. One of the weirdest flex that I have is if someone asks that if I can grow their brand organically or not. And if they ask me for proof, I just show them my social media. And I'm like, this is all from scratch. And uh, this, if this can happen to me, someone like me, then definitely I can grow your company's brand. Right. So, that has been there definitely over the years role definitely changed for me as well um for from being a social media marketer whose job is just to come up with creative posts i moved more towards the role where i'm making strategies for an entire quarter where uh, i'm consulting companies where the budget is in crores and of monthly burn and mm-hmm. uh, definitely it has been a huge transition for me as well and irony is, as someone who has consulted 35 plus uh, B2C companies, I ended up making a B2B one for me. And now I'm back to square one because now I have to learn how to do B2B marketing because I never did it in my entire life. Right. Uh, can you tell us about, uh, since you have watched the space for some time on, you know, my, uh, by space, I mean the marketing, uh, marketing on social media space uh, slash marketing on the internet. Um, can you tell us, uh, in your view, like uh, how you like how did you see the space evolving, and do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing to say, but I have seen that accessibility of something has ruined things for both good and for bad. Like there was a point when um, people used to reach out to Quora to seek good content, to seek wholesome content, and uh, then suddenly it got polluted by a lot of uh, memes and uh, really spicy stories, which are 100% fictional in nature, but you have such a good time reading them. And uh, suddenly people lost interest in that social media platform and you move to something else. And uh, similarly, I have seen so many social media platforms that came into existence. I was, I'm from a generation who used Orkut. And from a generation who used to have a really long Facebook DP option. And uh, Mm -hmm. then I have moved to a place where people move to Instagram and then they move to Twitter for everything. Then LinkedIn was introduced. I've seen the transition of how social media, instead of being one and for all platform, there are different platforms available. You're allowed to be a very different person on Twitter, but then you're also allowed to be a very different person on LinkedIn. And you for sure are allowed to be a very different person on Instagram. And then you can choose to have zero existence on Facebook because your parents are there. So you're allowed to have your own free, you know, limited freedom. And that is one thing that I have seen the whole transition happen. And it's, it's scary. And at the same time, so beautiful. What all the whole cycle that we have gone through over the years. Were you uh, were you a part of TikTok as well, or were you? Did you not install that app as well? <laughs> the TikTok. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, okay. Uh, 
one of my go to thing used to be there were these amazing people on tiktok who used to talk about serial killers murders i'm not a i'm i'm a stable person i just love those stories and uh, i think when they announced that tiktok will no longer be in india i actually asked one of my intern who was based out of ireland to save all the tiktoks and send it to me on weekly basis so that i can follow up with the person So oh, I never okay. published anything. I think I just uploaded probably a TikTok of my dog maybe at max. But I was one of those people who actually used it for viewing purpose and not for posting. But I did experiment a little to understand uh, how the growth works on it. Like what works? Is it the audio? Is it the video? Oh, is it the hashtags? Like I the social media person and me was just curious what works. Right. Actually, I'm a I'm a huge TikTok user. Actually, I still use it. Even I mean, I still use it uh, via the VPN uh, every day, almost every day. Um, so yeah, I mean, in case you do want to use it, uh, install VPN and you can. Uh, You're telling anyways, me uh, I could have used TikTok and I just chose not to. I mean, I I was really addicted to it. Uh, by the time the I I had really fallen in love with the app by the time the government banned it. So I was just looking for ways to uh you know keep. uh consuming uh tiktok content so right now i'm on us tiktok uh, and it, it's pretty amazing actually it's I, i'm really having a lot of fun and it's pretty amazing but anyways i'm moving on um right so um um can you tell us uh, a little bit about uh, uh what what motivated you to start salt and uh, you know the kind of roles that you were doing before salt but uh, also like what made you uh, to take that leap to you know, starting salt so um yes it so a part of me always felt like i i'll be better starting my own even if it's boutique agency but something of my own because uh, i kind of wanted that creative freedom and especially when you have worked with founders directly in your previous roles it is really hard and it's not the attitude adjustment rather you want your voice to reach to the right kind of people and it would i personally knew it would have not have been possible if i would have started applying in startups now especially the one that i love like i love postman i love an academy and i know i will never be able to get those kind of positions in which i i can talk to the founders directly so i think one of the reasons was that and second i love traveling and uh, one of the biggest problem that i have always had while traveling was just just doing the transactions and mm-hmm. it got worse because as i mentioned i have been a consultant i have been consultant to a lot of europe based companies and receiving money has always been a nightmare i used to lose a lot of money to just paypal because or any other service that i'm using they would take solid 8 to 10% of my transaction as a fees and plus the money used to hit me 7 to 10 days later into my bank account I'll also blame it a little bit on the fact that I'm an SBI user, so maybe the delay was because of it. But after a mm-hmm. point, I just started receiving most of my salary in Amazon payment, uh, Amazon gift cards. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'll use these gift cards somewhere, and I'd rather receive it in that than do something about it. Until I realized that uh, you can either crib about a problem or work towards solving it. So I started talking to my friend Ankit who is now my co-founder that I want to build something in fintech but I don't know where to start from. So 
we both started discussing some ideas and uh, we both ended up uh, loving few mutual grounds that we had and then the tough question came that he was already founder of another company and the whole exit process came into the picture so i think the bigger leap of faith was for me to leave all the jobs behind and just focus on one thing and uh, as a 23 year old kid my parents were absolutely okay with me doing that for solid 2 years something i'm genuinely thankful for but that was my call but the bigger call was i wish i could meet i met this really nice gujarati uncle in china and i was sitting at a bar and my card stopped working and he paid for us he was really sweet he said that you send money to my indian bank account it's fine and then we got into talking and i said that uh, oh my god international payments is so tough for individuals and he laughed and said wait till you do the business payments Mm-hmm. and then we were like what do you mean and then he started talking about regulations that one has to go through and uh, the amount of paperwork and documentation that is required and you're always uh, someone uh, you know income tax department and rbi flags because the money is coming in or going out internationally and then we started researching so we spent solid 2019 and 20 researching this and towards the mid of 2020 is when we realized what exactly we want to build and how we want to build and rest is history then we slowly started building the product uh, my co-founder came from a background where he believed in setting the ground first before raising funding because he was very direct and honest and he said that i am from a good college i have been a founder previously who have raised a lot of fund like money will not be a problem however i don't want to go to market without having a proper product ready without a market analysis so while it took me just one trip to china to figure out what i wanted to do it took me two years of research to finally know what i want to do and how i want to do so that was way out of my comfort zone probably not getting salary on every first of month right um uh, i think you raised about 500000 i think in october um of 2021 um stopping from wrong though uh, but um uh, can you tell us your experience uh, you know raising um uh, uh, that kind of money in you know post covid uh, your experience maybe generally i'm not going to lie if i say that oh we never got rejected by anyone we got rejected by a lot of people i don't even want to go back and check um there were multiple problems i'm i think i'm being very direct and honest when i'm saying this i'm an arts graduate from a tier 2 college and uh, I am not really a poster boy for the kind of founder you want to go ahead and raise money from and definitely we faced a lot of rejections because of it and also because people had problem with the fact that Ankit and I shared the equity between us 50-50 instead of him having more me having less and he always Ankit believed in that I believe in equality and she is also stepping out of her comfort zone as much as I am so we both need to be on the same page so the kind of ideology that we had we wanted investors who aligned with the same and we were lucky enough to get some of the best people on board who and their job has not just been to pour in money they've always follow, always followed up with us talked with us they are still in touch with us and surprisingly they do reply to my very bogus tweets and also show up at my really weird parties but they do they're really supportive the journey has been a life lesson at this point I have never been rejected more than this in my entire life. Uh there yeah. were so many grounds. Uh 
unfortunately one of them was female founder founder with an with an arts degree founder from not a fintech experience and then sometimes i was just not good enough to be someone you can probably put in your portfolio and then they had different concerns which were just uncomfortable to even think of some people thought that my co-founder and i were dating and that's why they said they do not want to invest in a company where the founders are dating because if they will break up what will happen if if some investor hears this podcast then we are not dating we don't want to date we are best friends but uh, we were just uncomfortable how can that be a ground of rejecting or deciding whether you want to go ahead with someone or not and it just kept getting worse like people like after a point some of the investors in the industry started saying that she is very young she's going to get married what if she chooses to leave she's just 25 the only thing which hurt me a lot throughout this process was no one would even dare to have similar question for a male co-founder right okay right um Uh, I I, uh, I want to come back to uh, I want to come back to the cross uh, cross border payments uh, since you mentioned it uh, in uh, by in your trip to China. Um, I'm just curious about uh, even after the fees that you were talking about, um, and if I'm not wrong, I think PayPal is still a massive player in that in that uh, in that space. Uh, why do you think Why do you think that is Why do you think PayPal is still you know uh, you know stop me if I'm wrong again. I I don't know uh, as per my understanding, I think PayPal is still a large player. Um, even with Absolutely. all these uh, problems that you just discussed um why do you think that is and uh, why haven't there been more companies or uh, more solutions to tackle this cross border uh, not only b2c but also b2b problems um so uh, b2c definitely there is a product from paypal i'm not sure it's called xom i don't know how to pronounce it it helps you in transferring money quickly like in seconds and i think they do not have a lot of fees as well about paypal so again these examples are very b2c in nature a freelancer actively uses them but businesses don't they believe in swift payments wire transfers one which take a lot of time and that is being done but the point is they are take, still taking solid 7 to 10 days and at times if the regulations and approvals are not done for that kind of money to be transferred into india those transactions are stuck for months um I'm talking about not the fancy businesses that we are running. I'm talking about some jeweler in Surat who is doing crores worth of transaction of some expensive diamonds, and by mistake he loses some invoice of his, and I, you know, income tax rate happens. What is this person gonna do? So we realize that it's not just the transaction people need help with. People also need someone who can help them in exp- uh, understanding what are the pre. requirements of doing international transaction and what are the post requirements so instead of building a payment gateway we started we built an ecosystem so all you have to do is have a registered company come to us do your kyc and then we will take care of the transaction which by the way will happen in 24 hours um we have that kind of connection that in 50 plus countries you can receive money in less than 24 hours and most importantly our relationship doesn't end there with you we're going to help you with your all the filings we're going to explain you what are the certificates you require what kind of paperwork you need with you and also do those paperwork on your behalf all digitally so that in case worst case scenario you need it at some point you have it ready with you so we realize that we don't want to build uh, just a fintech we want to build this ecosystem 
to which people can belong end to end without having any problem and that's how probably we will stand out and pro- people will step out of their comfort zone and start using us do you know people literally do this thing where they say that hey you can transfer money to some relative of mine who lives in us and i'll take money from their family in india because oh. they do not want to do that international transaction of a lot of money and this is not small amount i'm talking about i'm talking about an average check size of 10000 dollars minimum and if that kind of money is on hold then you lose a part of you until and unless it is resolved so just wanted to build a more comfortable ecosystem for indians so that they can do better businesses online oh i have a general question uh, which is not i mean uh, i don't know um the pain i mean peer to peer i mean person to person payment uh, in india at least internally uh, is pretty uh, at least in 21 it's pretty uh, smooth uh, through apps like uh, you know gpay or what have you um why is it that uh, cross border payments are the nature of the problem is so hard do you have any thoughts on that because it requires paperwork um rbi has very strict regulations around international money both being uh, moved from here or it coming in and i can understand where it comes from because they want to preserve the country from a lot of money laundering which can potentially happen so that's why they have more strict laws a transaction is flagged if, if it's of more than a certain amount i think it's 20000 dollars and also you have to have all the exact invoices and everything ready because the tax filing and everything the whole custom system that has been made around international payments is very strict and you want someone who understands it i have friends who are doing who did a, who were doing thriving businesses internationally during covid until they hired a ca to finally do the overall transaction and they realized they didn't even make that much money as much they had to pay in the taxes mm-hmm. so that's what i'm saying it's the lack of knowledge about the industry and uh, tier 2 tier 3 people's dependency on a broker which is sitting in the middle and being okay with the idea that you will be you will be going to bank once a month for 2 3 hours to stay in a line even during covid it's that kind of attitude that we want people to get away from like i'm i literally want to go ahead and tell them that if you are a 50 year old person running an amazing legacy like business you don't have to go sit in a go to a bank anymore you don't have to send anyone to bank anymore i'm more than happy to do that entire thing for you for a cheaper cost i want people to have more time to focus on their business rather than on such trivial things as banking which can easily be done online if you have the right partners with you the financial services i mean uh, anything regarding finance uh, which is kind of a regulated industry is pretty non trivial i mean it's a, it's a difficult field to uh, you know Um, get into as well uh, how did you approach it i mean were you intimidated by uh, the industry as a whole um, or once you did decide to you know approach the idea uh, were there a lot of uh, you know um, um, i don't know um, rules that you had to follow or certain laws that you had to um, you know was there a lot of paperwork involved etc um, can you uh, give us a sense of uh, thankfully i never had to go through it because uh, i mean joining fintech as an industry didn't require the paperwork but uh, i have watched other people go through the amount of paperwork they do for the kind of companies they run and the only thing i want to tell them is <coughs> i wish you could skip it and uh, 
the whole point um, i think it's their relatability to the kind of crowd you want to serve um i could sympathize with everyone who was going through troubles i had no fintech experience but um, have you seen avengers movie no um, so, okay so in avengers they ask uh, tony stark that since when did you become uh, you know an expert in theoretical physics or something and he said overnight so yeah i read a lot of books i read a lot of things i interviewed a lot of people i took everything out of my system and for the private person that i am i met over 50 to 80 people to understand how this international banking ecosystem is working only to be able to sympathize with my customer because once you have that for them you can build things for them and after that things were a smoother process for me so there is no gatekeeping in the fintech industry and i love that um there is there are definitely big players but the fintech industry in itself is so big that nobody is trying to step on someone else to feel better so definitely that was not really that big of a deal for me but yes uh, covid uh, made our thesis even stronger that uh, nobody wants to go to the bank anymore mm-hmm. and that was helpful um can you, can you tell us a little more about uh, the covid i mean uh, in the covid experience i mean um, did that really uh, give you um, i mean did it really give you the boost that um, um that you needed or you know um, i mean was it very helpful for you in that in that sense or you know because it it, it did help a lot of industries um did it do did it really you know change the game for you or uh, was that not a huge uh, for the for the for the kind of business that you you guys were doing did it not make so much of an impact so in all honesty um uh, it definitely didn't change a lot of things for us because i'll be very honest with you it didn't change vc's mind when it came to funding us like they still were not interested until they had a lot of things in their hands but it made us realize that uh, there are so many things that bank can do online but they choose not to like during covid they were helping people in uh, verifying their signatures closing accounts online so many things and that made me realize that banks can do things online they just choose not to for some reason and uh, that was a great learning during covid phase for us because it helped us in reaching out to multiple channel and integration partner who were providing small small part of what we wanted to build online and then together we brought it all together we are still figuring it out and how we are going to put it all together but we started putting a jigsaw puzzle together of everything that can be done online and together we will put a good ribbon on it and present it to people that these are the things you can do online so definitely see covid is here to stay it's not going to go away for at least solid 2 to 3 years not completely so we might as well realize that it is a great time for us to be a catalyst in a revolution where digital banking is the only kind of banking that people know irrespective of age or where they are from and hopefully 10 years down the line it also penetrates into tier 3 and below cities right um you've you worked at multiple startups before you know um, going on your own um was there something that you aspired to do differently uh, while you know in your uh, own startup as opposed to some some of the things that you saw uh, in in the previous companies that you worked for was there any conscious decision or some kind of philosophy that you followed maybe um 
I'll after this call, I'll definitely share a secret PDF with you, which is our company's culture document. But uh, I think one thing which a lot of startups lacked was, I I think it was the lack of showing that as founders you're vulnerable and it do magic when you tell people you're in hot waters. I think people can relate to you even more. So our uh, my our current team, full time team, all were interns with us. and uh, they it was their first internship experience all of theirs they worked with us uh, as interns and then they we definitely moved them full time but they trusted us and that happened because we were vulnerable with them we we have always been very honest about this is what we need this is the timeline at which we need we have introduced our small team of six people to all of our investors they know everything that happens we have kept that transparency and we realized that uh, i have this very secret book where i have kept all these rules so the rules are on the lines of that will always be transparent and transparency comes at a cost that they have to be transparent as well so we will step out of our comfort zone a little bit and they will step out of their comfort zone a little bit and together we will create a very good environment for each other i have worked in companies where i have been fat shamed I have been called very derogatory homophobic slurs as a part of cool culture and uh, the casual sexism which always happen um and I realized that I do not want even casually to be these kind of jokes to be cracked in office at any given point and um, mm-hmm. and I'm working towards it uh, definitely that was another thing like uh, and yeah I think uh, loving every single part of our team individually we have customer representatives we have marketing team we have tech team and no one has this attitude that i'm more superior than the other person or my work is more relevant than that of the other person and that's very helpful and the best part about uh, being honest about what you're doing and how you're doing is that it always helps you so one incident is at one point the funding was yet to reach our bank account and both my co-founder and i were broke like we had no money left in our bank account i was on the verge of letting go of my fdi sorry not fdi sorry my brain is thinking of banking still now fdi right. and uh, yes and we asked them we just casually dropped a message that hey are you okay if we don't pay you for the month and they none of them said no And do you know what is the best part? One of them transferred twenty thousand to our bank account. That oh, if we need, and that was really sweet. <laughs> and that that was possible because we were vulnerable. We were honest with them that hey, we literally told them that we don't have money, and uh, we will not be able to pay you this month. The money is yet to reach, and. we forgot to add this line that we will be paying you next month for this month but we cannot for this so they just gave us the money they didn't even ask they were not even expecting that they will get the month salary but to me it was uh, the attitude with which they were handling their relationship with us and even now um they really respect everyone around them and even us and they do not go behind our back talking mean things about us it is all because we have been vulnerable and honest with them that was one thing which lacked in all the companies i worked because all founders had was this 
attitude that they will figure everything out on their own, which is not true. Uh, my father says that knowledge is the only thing which increases when you share it. That means no one in this world is most knowledgeable person in the world. So it's okay to let your guard down every once in a while. That is what I'll say. Right. Um, you've been running uh, Salt for, I think, I don't know, close to, I think, more than two years now. Um, can you talk a little bit about the experience, uh, uh, maybe some of the challenges that, uh, you know, you face along the way? Funding, I'll be very honest. I think any founder will go ahead and say that funding was the biggest challenge. So definitely that. It took us a year of getting rejected to finally be at a place where we we knew what we wanted to do and we also had the right investors who were backing us up. Uh, second will be finding the right team because I think you live in Bangalore. You're very well aware how expensive the talent is these days. Right, right. And uh, we groomed all the people, all of the interns who came and uh, who worked with us. We groomed all of them from scratch because both my co-founder and I were very well aware we cannot afford anyone with experience. So if a typical work cycle should have been for nine hours, for us it used to be a 14 hours because first we will teach them and then we will review their work and then we will continue doing the work we already had to do. Um, I think the bigger problem was time management. Um, because of COVID, we had no life. So, And my co-founder and I, we share the same house. So it was not having that thin line between being friends and being founders. So every time we would meet after a couple of hours of spending time in our rooms, we would come back and talk about work. Um, at one point, we both started hating being around each other because all we would talk is work. So we stepped out. We had this long conversation where we said that the day we will have an office, we will have a strict shop, no shop talk policy in the house. And now we are following it now that we have an office. So definitely finding a balance between professionalism and personal relationship that you have is was something that I struggled with for a really long time and while we are at this place like definitely there is a lot of anxiety and depression involved with being a founder there are times when you're very close to closing a funding round and then suddenly you're not even rejected you're ghosted oh and uh, out of nowhere they don't want to talk to you anymore they don't want to see you anymore they don't care about anything. They're just poof, gone in the thin air. So that's definitely disappointing. And uh, but is and, ghosting a very common? Is is ghosting a common? Would you say that it's a? Is it a rare case that it happens, or is it pretty common? Because I would assume that you know, if some VC firm does ghost you, I mean, now you're talking about it, and you know, you haven't mentioned them by name, but I'm sure you would have mentioned them by name to some of your personal colleagues, and you know, the word does get around. So it's it's at the end of the day it's a bad reputation for them. So I'm I'm just curious is it something that is it something that you know it's it's very rare that it happens or does it happen? Uh, do you think it happens frequently? I think it happens frequently because I have the I love Bangalore's ecosystem because of this because founders are very open and vulnerable. Not everyone is trying to be the smartest person in the room. And when I shared my side of the stories. A lot of people came and they're like, hey, this happened with me too, but it happened with this person or this person or this person. Probably right. the only sad part was that you end up losing respect for that person. Uh, 
you i don't think vcs understand that founder is absolutely okay with being rejected because definitely look at the market they must be getting rejected by someone or the other on daily basis they should never lose respect for you in the process that you didn't have enough guts to say this on the face rather you chose to completely ignore so definitely those were like the lowest of lows then uh, when we just started the we entered the market there was no one now there are solid four five companies uh who are doing this so it hurts a little bit I, i'm a part of me is glad because they are helping towards solving a really big problem but a part of me is just un- unhappy to see a lot of vcs funding those ideas because they told us that <laughs> this is not something we will be going ahead and funding and it just hurts after that right um i think finally um what uh it's a new year and you know you just celebrated your birthday as well um what, do you have anything exciting planned for the coming years um is it is it something that you do i don't know if you plan out your your life in advance for a year or so i don't know if you do do, do you have something exciting oh definitely a uh, lot of news related to the company but i'll let uh, the pr and everyone do the talking i'm not allowed to talk about it right I, i i'd rather let the news come out definitely for soul for sure and that you will be hearing in the first quarter only um uh, but on the personal level uh i want to be nicer to people um i have realized that uh, when you're a founder of a company a lot of people look up to you and uh, the last thing that you want to do is leave an impression where they feel like they can never reach out to you again so just want to be kind to as many people as i can be and focus on my health mental spiritual physical all forms of health um i think the recent loss of punkhuri from the ecosystem has made me realize that we have to find a balance between work and your health and that is one thing i really want to focus on this year um and probably avoid working on sundays i have a really bad habit i don't see the day i just start working so definitely this year same as to probably shut my laptop once a week that's going to be on sunday and focus on more physical activities like badminton or painting or gardening i have a really sweet dog probably spend more time with her so definitely focusing more on being more available as a founder and even as a friend friend as many places as i can be right oh on that note udita i i hope that this year uh, you know you don't work on any of your sundays and you know i hope you have amazing sundays this year um thank you so much for taking the time and uh, it was wonderful to have you